Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 293 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined by, you know who it is already, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how are you, my man? I'm good, my man. How are you? Always good when speaking with you, my friend. I truly mean that. Um, yeah, same as ever. We're going to dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to start here in Russia at the Kimki Basketball Center. One fight to mention over here. It went, um, it went, I guess it went the way that people didn't expect, is all I'm going to say. Uh, the undefeated Evgeny Romanov, now 16-0. and He was able to beat unanimously over 12 rounds the devastating puncher Dmitry Kudryashov, now 24-4. and um, If you had betted on that, that was 12-1 to for that outcome there, um, which I actually betted on because I felt that if Romanov were to mix it up with Kudryashov, it would be really dangerous, and I thought that his best interest would be to box and move. And there were some hairy moments in there, especially late on in the fight, but a wide points win in the end there for Romanov. He's 16-0, and and he's on that world scene now, I think. I think he's announced himself as being there. Uh, Kudryashov, such a dangerous puncher, like I say. He was able to beat him wide in the end. Moving out now, though, to the Sky Dome in Coventry, West Midlands, United Kingdom. A lot of you will probably know that I was there for this one. Um, I was there in the dressing room and stuff like that. We'll get to that. Let's start with the with the with the undercard. Um, Stephen McKenna, great win for him. A first round TKO against Damian Howes. Howes was down from a left to the body. Um, his record now three and six. Stephen McKenna eight and zero. Oh, a bright Irish prospect. Elsewhere on the card, Michael Hennessy Jr. now six and one with a draw. He was able to beat Paul Cummins, who's now two and forty nine. Um, as expected, really. Michael Hennessy, not a puncher. And Paul Cummins, not someone that gets knocked out. So we knew what was going to happen there. Elsewhere on the card, Idris Virgo moved to 10-0 and with with uh, that one draw. Um, a points win for him over six rounds against another teak-tough journeyman, Louis Van Pooch. He's now 9-125-2. and um, A TKO win in the fifth round for Shakam Pitters. He's now 15-1. and His opponent, Jermaine Springer, now 7-3. and He was down from a right hand late in the fourth round, and the TKO came in round five. Um... Yeah, Shakan Peters, good to see him back, you know, after being stopped himself back in December. Um, River Wilson Bent, perhaps one to watch. He 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 moved to 9-0, and a TKO for him in the seventh round against George Farrell, who's now 5-1. and Both guys were undefeated going in. It was for the Midlands area middleweight title, so the champion now, River Wilson Bent, with that TKO in round seven. Another good fight on the card on paper. Casey Benjamin, he's now 12-1 and with a draw. He's a Opponent Martin Harkin retired on his stall at the end of round seven. His record now 13-1. 
13 and 2, harking down from a right to the body as the bell ended for the for the seventh round. Um, yeah. Getting on to the main event though, Sam Eggington now 30 and 7. He was able to beat unanimously over 12 rounds. King Carlos Molina now 37 and 12 with two draws. It was for the vacant WBC silver middleweight title. Um, obviously, it's close to home um, for me. Carlos is a is a really really good friend. While we're recording this today, it's actually his birthday, but that's a side note. Um, yeah, very very good friend. A guy that you know, I I think I interviewed him probably five years ago, something like that, and we just clicked. And people that listen to this show know that you know I've interviewed hundreds of boxers, and it just took one interview for us to click. And ever since then, we met up when he boxed Josh Kelly in in, in Cardiff. We met up, and you know. Um, he he lost that fight, went back to Mexico, and we've been in touch, and we've we've grown quite close together since that since that night in Cardiff. And yeah, he came over, and I just had to be there, um, you know. So I I managed to get myself into the the actual bubble itself, uh, which was at the Hilton Hotel in Coventry. And yeah, we were you know it was it was quite surreal. It's, it's you know it was good to be there for him and stuff like that. Uh, you know, we all got in the taxi together to the venue. We all got out. I think I was on TV just in the background as we were going into the venue. A few people pointed that out. And then, yeah, when we went into the, uh, you know, into the dressing room, um, you know, it's great to see, the, the, you know, what goes on before a fight and stuff like that. Again, a lot of people listening that that, that uh, may not know what goes on uh, before a fight. It's, it's quite crazy. You know, for this one in particular, we had the guy from... Uh, the you know the UK anti-doping um, agency. He was literally you know with us 24/7. He wouldn't take his eyes off us, or not not so much me, but Carlos. And um, yeah, we're in the dressing room. It was quite small in there. We didn't get too long to to uh, to, to warm up. And yeah, it was just amazing, man. It was amazing just being there for the whole thing. You know, um, obviously, I think a lot of people felt that Eggington would win on points. A lot of people felt that because Carlos never been stopped. Um, and, you know, this point in his career, I guess he's not as active as he used to be. I think he's got to go back and change a few things. But yeah, Eggington, definitely the rightful winner in the end. I think on my card, I had it 8-4 for Eggington. Um, it pains me to say that, but listen, I really like Sam Eggington. He is a guy that I really like. He's been on the show a handful of times as well. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him and I'm sad for Carlos. But, you know, it hits close to home because Carlos is you know, a, a, a real close friend, and a lot of people, I don't even know if you know this, Eddie, actually, well, you definitely don't know this, but, um, yeah, when when he was in the dressing room, Carlos, he was, you know, hitting the pads, wrapping his hands, stuff like that, you know, they were, they were filming that, and he had a Box Hard yeah. Podcast t-shirt on during this, <laughs> and then he walked out to the ring with the t-shirt on, and then he got in the ring with the t-shirt on, he only took it off when it was time to go to the middle of the ring to start the fight, so a lot of people sent in um, you know, pictures and stuff saying, wow, I've just seen the podcast t-shirt on TV and it was on terrestrial TV. So millions yeah. <laughs> potentially might have seen that. So uh, there you go. We, we I've said it before, um, Eddie, that the t-shirt gets around like, like uh, you know, it gets around. Yeah. Honestly, it's one of my favorite shirts to wear. And I'm not just saying that because at this point in time, I'm not in the kind of shape that I want to be and the shirt makes me actually look like I am. So... I definitely, definitely want to get another one, Joe. Yeah, well, there you go. I've got one in your size sitting here. But, 
yeah um no brilliant brilliant stuff and you know for him to do that as well he, he really didn't need to do that it was really cool of him and um you know he even wanted me to try and work his corner to the very last minute he was trying to get me to work his corner but um you need to be licensed over here which uh he he thought he could do something to get me in there but yeah, it wasn't like that. I ended up watching it from ringside. And um, yeah, you know, quite quite frustrating because I think early on he kept trying to just load up on like a big counter left hook. And he's not really a one punch kind of, um, you know, KO artist or anything like that. He's not a guy that possesses a lot of power. Um, Sam Eggington as well, he's, he's proven it time and time again. He's teak tough. He's got a fantastic chin. And it just wasn't going to work. And I think he was waiting too long. Um, and whenever he kind of put Sam Eggington against the ropes, he had him backed up. He was in control. Um, Eggington was getting hit a lot with, with Carlos's shots. But all in all, he just outworked Carlos, really. And, um, yeah, Carlos as well, trying to throw, you know, like, um, lead right hands from too far out, falling short, didn't look good. Uh, the legs were crossing, and Sam Eggington would just throw out a little jab, boom, and then it looks really nice for him. So, yeah, scorecards were way too wide. I think one of the judges had it, I think it was um, 11 rounds to 1 on one of the cards, which was absolutely disgraceful. On the TV, um, forget about these judges. Let's talk about the, the TV uh, commentator, and, and, you know, he scored it as well. The former light heavyweight world champion, Richie Woodall, he had it to... Uh, to Eggington by just two rounds. That was a bit more fair in my eyes. But anyway, leaving that card there, moving out now to the Virgin Hotels Las Vegas over here. A um, couple fights to mention on the undercard. A win for Abisi Ramirez. He's now 7-1, and one, the, the Olympic gold medalist. It was a win for him over six rounds unanimously against Ryan Lee Allen, who's now 10-5 and five with a draw. Still never been stopped. Um... Elsewhere on the card, we had Elvis Rodriguez, a big upset. He was 11-0 with 10 KOs and one draw going in. He lost a majority decision over eight rounds against Kenneth Sims Jr., who's 15, well, he was 15-2 with a draw. He's now 16-2 with a draw. Um, yeah, that completely messed up a few of the bets I had going on in the evening, but I'm pleased for Kenneth Smith Jr. Oh, sorry, Kenneth Sims Jr., um, and yeah, elsewhere on the card, Jose Zapida, we talked about it last week, Eddie, that Hank Lundy would turn up and give it a good go, he certainly did, he really did, even though he lost, um, I guess, quite wide in the end, do you want to say a couple words on that one, we knew what he was going to do, he always comes to fight. Yeah, you know, I didn't actually get a chance to see it, that's what kind of pained me, I wanted to say, like I was, uh, Kurt, you know, one of the guys I trained, a friend of mine, was letting me know what was going on, and I was trying to get home to, you know, get it on. And when I finally did, I basically turned the fight on at the decision. But what he was saying, he was saying about, was about a 10, it was a 10 rounder, right? So he was saying about what? I think he gave it to the guy by two rounds or something like that. So I was kind of shocked, not shocked that because I know Hank is going to go, he's going to fight. He's going to give his best no matter what, whatever he has, he's going to try. Like even with Terrence Crawford, like we talked about last week. Um, he was going to give his effort, his best effort until, you know, he's figured it out. And um, so, I mean, I expected nothing but the best from him, but I just thought the guy might be a little bit too good for him or, or too fresh for him at this point. And I guess that turned out to be what it was, but um, cards were a little bit wide from what I understand, but I didn't see the fight, so I can't really say. But just from, you know, the advice I was getting from different people, that it was a little wide. 
Yeah, um, I think he he started quite bright, Hank Lundy. I even saw him spend a few moments in Southpaw and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, but no, Zepeda won the fight in the end. But he gave it a good go, and they, you know, they showed him respect, like the commentators and all that. They were saying he he, you know, he put quite a good showing in. But anyway, on to the main event. Um, this fight here, I don't really have much analysis for because I was watching this one like on an iPad in the foyer of the hotel and we were all gathered around it, um, you know, like Carlos's team, myself, um, and yeah, I was watching it, I was scoring it, but I didn't like, um, kind of have any analysis so I'm just going to fly over this here uh, Josh Taylor now 18 and 0 uh, he's now the the undisputed uh, super lightweight world champion he owns the WBC WBA super IBF and WBO world titles Ramirez now 26 and 1 he was down in round 6 and 7 um, just my only real note on the fight uh, you know, the the first knockdown was from a straight left-hand counter. It was a big knockdown. It was a devastating left uppercut off the break uh, for the second one. Um, so, yeah, the first one, a, a straight left-hand counter. And the second one, like I said, a big knockdown, devastating left uppercut off the break. Um, yeah, I watched it with the team. Like I say, there was a lot of momentum swings. I think it was, in the end, on the scorecards, closer than it should have been. But certainly the right man won for me. And my scorecard in the end... Um, I just I just want to give it out here. My scorecard in the end, I had it to Taylor by four. I gave Ramirez the first. I gave Taylor the second. I gave Ramirez the third. I gave rounds four and five to Taylor. I gave round six to Taylor, but it was a 10-8. I gave round seven to Taylor, which was a 10-8. And then I gave him rounds eight and nine. And I gave Ramirez um, round 10, 11, and 12. So I felt he actually finished quite strong, but it was too late by that point on my card. But anyways, Eddie, um, I know that you watched it as well. It was a brilliant fight. I'm so pleased you did watch it because it was... It, not only did it live up to the expectations, but for it being for all the world titles, and you know, a lot of Americans don't know how good Josh Taylor or didn't know how good Josh Taylor was. Now you do. What was your thoughts and your reaction? I really didn't know much about him, so it was a good, uh, it was a great job that I was able to see it, because the only real evidence I've had of anything that Josh Taylor did previous was, you know, small clips or whatever from what. Uh, funny enough, you know, Hank, who fought on the undercard, was trying to schedule a fight, or they were, t or they were trying to get a fight with uh, Josh Taylor at one point, and and he also showed it to Kurt, and Kurt was also saying like when he watched it, like hey, Josh, he looked good then, you know what I mean? But I'm still thinking like at that time he was still kind of young, he I mean, still young now, but I mean kind of young in the game, not really had a lot of ex experience, different fights or whatever, so we kind of didn't know what he was going to be right then. I mean, you see how good he is, and we knew that it was going to be a tough fight for Hank. Of course, we can't say that to him at the moment, but it was uh, it was definitely <laughs> looking like a tough fight. But then actually now, seeing him perform at the highest of the highs as far as now being the the uh, undisputed, yeah, he looked, he looked in top form. You know what I mean? But fair play, though. Ramirez, man, he was he was there to play. He was not, he was not playing. He was definitely trying to turn it up to another level too. And he was in the fight. He, I thought at one point he was going to get stopped. I thought that the uh, prediction that Josh, uh, Josh Taylor had was actually going to come to fruition because the way that he dropped him with that uppercut and it just didn't look like he, and it took him like a few rounds after that, to be honest, in my opinion, to really re recover. 
You know what I'm saying? Like he was still just like just on the brink. Um, but the worst part of this whole thing, I'm giving all this analysis and everything and what we're talking about, is that I couldn't even see the last two rounds. <laughs> I had to go I had to go get something and end up missing the last two rounds. So I didn't even know Ramirez picked it back up like that. You gave him the last three. I, I didn't even realize that he did that much that much good work. I ended up missing eleven and twelve. I thought ten was kind of like back and forth. I wasn't sure about that round, but I thought it was just Josh Taylor looking for a big shot to end it. Um, but the uh, the other two, I didn't even see. So I was kind of surprised. Now I'm surprised to hear that you actually felt that Ramirez picked it up and won those rounds because I was expecting it to be like a whitewash the rest of the re- rest of the fight. Yeah, no, no, I felt he did finish quite strong, and yeah, I, I, um, I, I fancied a late knockout for Josh Taylor going in. I felt that he'd probably get the stoppage in the second half of the fight, which almost did happen, of course. Um, but no, you know, credit to Ramirez as well. He showed how tough he was, and that's exactly what I expected from him to keep coming. Um, he showed his heart in there, but yeah, Josh Taylor, I think he just had too much. I, I know a lot of people were criticizing Ramirez, saying he's one-dimensional. I don't think he's one-dimensional at all, but, but um, you know, Josh Taylor just had too much variety for him, and um, yeah, everything from the uppercuts to the jabs to the hooks, it was it was all there, and um, he showed, you know, he's he's got that dog in him, which I knew he had, but a lot of people, I think, overseas we're not too familiar with, you know, and I think he's proven it there. He's got such a good resume to fight the likes of Postal and and Ramirez and um, and Progre and uh, Baranchik, all these guys, all these world champions in just, what's that? What's he had now? Just, um, I think he's had 17, no, 18 fights. Yeah, 18 fights. Yeah, he's... Uh, he he is he is a fantastic fighter. But anyway, that's it for the review part of the show. Um, just before we wrap this up, the final thing for me to do is to welcome our sole guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the man ranked by the WBO at number two in the world in the super featherweight division. It is, of course, Mr. Jeremiah Nakafila. Jeremiah, welcome to the show, my friend. Yes, yes, yes. No, thank you. Hey, it's my pleasure to have you here. So, Jeremiah, um, tell myself and the people that listen to this a little bit about yourself. I've known about you for for a long time now, but I think a lot of the boxing fans around the world are only recently finding out about you because of this fight with Shakur Stevenson. But tell me about your story. How did your boxing journey begin, my friend? Yeah, no, for me, uh, uh, boxing is in the blood, it's in me. Yeah. uh, I'm saying that because uh, there was nothing that inspired me to, to join boxing other than just for the love of it. Uh, you know, I, I started boxing. You know, for me, I, it's like I've been a boxer uh, throughout my childhood because I've been fighting uh, for, uh, at the village. You know, I've been fighting every day when I'm at school. Uh, when the school is out, there should be a fight. There should be a fight on our way uh, going back home. There should be a fight. That's that's what that that was my story, my everyday story. And uh, I I I the real boxing start uh, somewhere when I I I was in the secondary school is when I start like uh, uh, now doing a part of boxing. Okay, 
And tell me, Jeremiah, um, what is it like in Namibia? Is it like, you know, there's there's amateur boxing? Because obviously you've been a pro now for quite a while. But what was the amateur boxing like? Yeah, no, amateur uh, here, uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, we have been through amateur. You know, we have been through amateur. Uh, I compete in all uh, zone four and African championship. Uh, we we have been in Cuba for boxing. Yeah, we have been training also in Cuba for for boxing. Yeah, so I've been I've been around, man. I've been around for when it comes to boxing. Uh, it's, it's, it's what it's part of my life. It's, it's all about that. And I found out, Jeremiah, that you used to be a policeman, or are you still a policeman? Tell me about that. <laughs> Yes, I'm still a policeman as I'm speaking. I'm a, I'm, I'm a policeman. In my country, I'm a policeman. It's just that I just work uh, part-time, but most of the time, uh, I'm given my, our government, uh, give us enough time to, to train. Okay. Yeah, but uh, when I'm free or like morning from morning to two o'clock, I'm at work, I'm at, I'm at, I'm at work as a police officer. Wow, and also you have your own pub as well. Tell me about that. The low-key pub. <laughs> yeah, no, I have a low-key pub. Hey, where did you see that, man? I yeah, I have a pub. Instagram. I wanna, if I come to Namibia, I want to drink in that pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I came up with the low-key pub because I have a lot of followers in my country. Uh, my friends and you know, my people, they always want to, to cheer together. In, in most cases, whenever... I, uh, I win. I always make a party, and uh, I used to make it uh, make party, uh, and then I used to have a big crowd. So that creates like, okay, if I have more followers, it's better to have a chilling place where my my friends can come and support me. Also, it's not just about; uh, it's also a business. So my friends can come there and support me, and uh, you know, it's part of. Uh, 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 business, part of business, you know, it's uh, one of the famous pub in Vendo, in the capital city of uh, of Namibia. Wow. Okay. So, like I say, if I ever come to Namibia, I'm going to the low key pub. Um, let's talk about your professional career. You've had 22 fights as a professional. Your record 21 and one. Tell me about that one loss which took place in Russia against the Russian Evgeny Chuprakov. A, um, a very close fight. Majority decision. Some very strange judges scorecards. What happened back in that night in, in 2016? No, looking at that fight, I, I did what I uh, you know. I did enough to win that fight. Uh, when I look at that, that, that even the, the, the video is there on YouTube. That guy was just coming. He was not throwing any punch, any clean punch to say, I, I score him. I, I, you know, I, I was a better boxer that night throughout. But, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, for favorite reason, you know, people always favor their, you know, the people. And then that's why, you know, it was in a majority decision. But uh, to me, that's not a loss. So I feel... I feel even now, I feel like, you know, for me, I'm an undefeated. And then, uh, you know, when I'm coming in there, you know, especially now, you know, I'm I'm on my way to, to Las Vegas. You know, I want to make history. You know, it's bigger for me. 
you know, fighting a guy like Shaku, it just, you know, it just, you know, it would be a great history, you know, beating that guy, and then I'm going to beat him. Yeah, we'll talk about that in in a moment. But yeah, you know, you go to Russia, you fight a Russian, and it's close. That speaks for itself. I I, I think that that yeah. usually means you won the fight, to be honest. But since then, yeah. you've had ten fights, ten wins, ten knockouts. You don't like to leave it to the judges anymore. <laughs> yeah, it discouraged me to to go on point. You know, <laughs> after that fight. I feel like, oh, it's bad to finish rounds, man. I feel like, oh, people can really, uh, uh, judges can, I, I can be on my own judge. And then each and every day, whenever I'm, I'm in a fight, I'm going for a kill. The weather is where, but for sure I know I, I have it all, the strength, the skill, you know, to stop any boxer, especially in the lightweight, in the junior lightweight division. I know I, I can do it. So I it, it really I really I I I fought that fight after that fight, but you know it all ended in knockouts in a row until you know so yeah mm-hmm. I, I hate now I I don't trust judges I don't uh, I feel like sometimes judges they they see the fight a different way. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Ten. 10 fights, 10 wins, 10 knockouts since that, that night in Russia. Um, your nickname is Low Key. There's not much footage on YouTube of your fights. You don't post much training footage on social media. Is that all part yeah. of who you are? Yeah, so I, I, I decided to keep it low key. As, as, as my name say, you know, you know I'm just you know, down to earth, humble. You know, I, you know, I don't do much of showing you know, who I am, you know, sometimes even if I have something, you might not even really know, or it's just that now people know me, but if it wasn't the case, I can come there and then uh, leave without knowing that, oh, Nakatila was here. <laughs> so I keep it low-key. And I want to ask you, Jeremiah, have you sparred any big-name fighters that we may know about? Yeah, when it comes to that, uh, we are a bit... Uh, we are we are not I'm not allowed to okay. to my manager. Okay. He's more careful when it comes to sparring partners and all that. Okay, I like it. Okay, no yes. problem. And tell me this, Jeremiah, I've got no idea about the Namibian way of life. I've got no idea about what kind of life you live in Namibia, but I'm guessing you must live a very disciplined lifestyle because you look huge for the junior lightweight division. Yeah, no, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I'm disciplined, you know, I've, even if, even I have a pub, you know, I don't even evolve myself to be drinking, but I can be there, have a juice there, you know, it's, that's, that's my lifestyle, because I know I'm, I'm I have a task, uh, you know, as, as long as I'm a boxer, I have a task to do. You know, I have a lot to polish, and then uh, before I polish that, you know, I have to remain who I am as a sports person. I know how to behave myself as a sports person, and also I'm 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 a, I'm a law enforcement, the police officer, so I can't really you know do wrong. Uh, you know, as me being part of uh, uh, the, the force. 
Yeah, no, I understand. And and let's talk about the main reason you're here, Jeremiah. You're going to be fighting Shakur Stevenson for the WBO interim world title June the 12th in Las, in Las Vegas. Tell me, what do you think of Shakur Stevenson as a fighter? Some people think he's going to be the, you know, the pay-per-view star of boxing one day. But what is your opinion on Shakur? You know, uh, I look at Shakur. I, I, I just, I just view some of his, some of his videos on YouTube, and then it's, you know, it gets boring for me when looking at the type of, of opponents that he's fighting. It gets boring for me even to 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 watch further because that's not me. It uh, I'm a different 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 boxer compared to all those the rest that he fought. So I know he's you know considered or uh, as a superstar. You know the media, everybody is talking about Shaku Stevenson, but when I'm going to be there in the ring with him, that's not going to help him or save him from me. And Jeremiah, what are your thoughts on the you know the full WBO champion Jamel Herring? Oh, Jamel Herring, yeah, no, that's one of the the fight. Uh, I mean, uh, the fighter that I also want to, I I, I would like to to, to face in the mm-hmm. ring. You know, I will beat up Shaku, and then look look up to uh, hearing, and then you know, for me, if you look at the a junior light, I could have get a chance to fight for uh, for for all title earlier before uh, earlier uh, somewhere, but due to uh, Oscar Valdez, he moved up, and then this thing Shaku move up so I have much anger to beat Shaku because of the delay that he caused and also Oscar Valdez because he delayed me to fight for this. Okay. So, and 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 tell me Jeremiah, your dream, I'm sure, is to become a world champion in boxing. Um what would winning a world title mean to you and to the people of Namibia? No, it do mean and it do mean a lot, you know. Even now, uh, you know, I was I was just I, I went to our, our founding president, you know, father of the Namibian nation, uh, Sam Nyoma. Uh, if you maybe you cook uh, Sam Nyoma, you know, it's 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 a big man, a founding a president of the of the public here in Namibia. You no, know, just to encourage me towards this fight. So it it means history, history in making. And uh, you know, I'm just looking for to 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 make uh, my dream come true. Uh, so, so I, I think uh, this this time I, I'm unstoppable. I know I'm a bigger guy in this weight. You know, I'm uh, boxing skill. It's there. So, yeah, for sure, I'm 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 going to be a world champion. I know I'm counting my days that come 12 June I'll be a world champion. And. My final real question for you, Jeremiah, what is your prediction for the fight? You don't have to tell me if you don't want to, but if you do have a prediction, please tell me what you think will happen on on, on June 12th in Las Vegas. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for me, um, looking at Shaku, I'm going to hit Shaku. I don't see him seeing the, 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 the 12th round. I'm going to hit Shaku. So either way, Whatever gonna happen there, but I'm going to hate that boy. 
Okay, well, there we go. I'm really yeah. looking forward to the fight. And just finally, Jeremiah, um, what are your closing words? If you've got a final message that you want to, uh, you know, let the listeners hear, if you want to say anything to the listeners before we let you go, what is that message to the guys that are supporting you all around the world, the UK, the USA, Africa, anywhere? What's your message to the people that support you? Yeah, not to 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 know to the love of boxing, you know the fans, and then also that they came to to know Germana Casilla, you know, and the to top rank, you know, uh, to top rank. Uh, I just wanna say thank you for the you know great opportunity that they gave me. So and then the, to to you know everybody that knows uh, it's very love of boxing that that come close to know Germana Casilla, you know they should just. Keep supporting me. So the way forward is, you know, it's a, uh, it's, it's you no, know, we are, we are, we are one people. We are just like a family. The world become now a family. So that's why we can even communicate right now. So we should, we should just support each other. And then uh, if we have to, when come to boxing or come to sport, if let the best man win, you should not uh, overlook it. This one is home ground, the other one is not. So I think uh, we should just let the best man win. And then uh, sport will be great. Everybody would love to, to enjoy and watch uh, sport or boxing. So I love everybody, you know. Uh, and, uh, you, know, it's, you know, I'm just uh, happy to, to be part of uh, uh, this this journey of being a boxer and an entertainer. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, listen, Jeremiah, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time, and I wish you all the best. I wish you good luck for June the 12th in Las Vegas. We'll speak sometime after, my friend. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Um, we're going to... We're going to start with this card here that's been announced for June the 5th, so not too long to go now. Over here we have um, Daniel Dubois, of course, fighting for the WBA interim heavyweight world title against Bogdan Dinu, former opponent of um, Big Baby Miller. On the undercard we have friend of the show Archie Sharp. Um, he's, he's on that undercard. I've forgotten right now who he's fighting. I'm going to have to quickly check that out. Marcio Souza, a guy from Nicaragua, um, his record 21-6 and six with two draws, only been stopped the once, he's been in there with Dixon Flores, Francisco Fonseca, who of course has been in there with um, Tevin Farmer and and Javonte Davis and Ryan Garcia, um, so yeah, you know, this guy is someone that Archie, I think, should beat without too much issues. Uh, elsewhere on the card, we have Tommy Fury, 5-0. and Not sure on who his opponent's going to be just yet. I've heard he's fighting a guy who hasn't won a fight again, but I'm not sure if that's 100%. Uh, again, that's June the 5th. Um, there's been a fight announced for Lewis Ritson. He's going to be taking on Jeremias Ponce. That's going to be a final eliminator for the IBF Super Lightweight World title. It's taking place at the Virtue Motors Arena in Newcastle. The date for that, June the 12th um again another step in the right direction for lewis ritz and it almost seems like we've forgotten that he lost that fight what was it a couple years ago three years ago something i think it was the late part of 2018 to patera 
it's it's like that's that's you know 10 years ago everyone's forgotten about that he's had these kind of under the radar wins uh, but then he beat Robbie Davies Jr. And I think that was a great win for him. And then, of course, he came back and he 100% lost to Miguel Vasquez. But they robbed him terribly. And yeah, here he gets in against this guy, Jeremias Ponce, Argentinian fighter, 27-0 with 17 KOs. No idea if he's any good. Um, looking for his resume, I don't really recognize any of these names. But, you know, we shall see. We shall see. Jeremias Ponce. Anyways, that's it for the news part of the show. If anything else happens from now to the end, we will speak about it at the very end of the show. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here at the Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, USA. This one's going to be on Showtime. Um, I really like this card. There's a few decent fights. I'm going to start with the undercard. I like this one here. We've got Gary... Antoine Russell, that of course being one of the many Gary Russell brothers, um, his record 13-0, and 0. it's a 10-rounder against Giovanni Santiago, who you might recognize that name, and if, if you do, it's because he's the guy that fought Adrian Broner in February, and again, that fight was quite close, Broner was able to win unanimously in the in the end over 12 rounds but he showed he's quite a good fighter but he gets in here with Gary Antoine Russell 13 and 13 KOs I'm looking forward to that one there uh, elsewhere on that card we have Subriel Matias he is 16 and 0 sorry not 16 and 0 16 and 1 but he's got 16 KOs his one loss came a couple fights back against Petros Anyan um his last win, though, was against the highly touted prospect Malik Hawkins, who's a Mayweather fighter. He was able to beat him, and he gets in there now against Batizan Jukambiev, who's 18-0 with 14 KOs. So that's going to be a fantastic fight. He's been in there with the likes of Miguel Vasquez. Seems like Miguel Vasquez is getting a lot of mentions on, on this week's show. But, yeah, that's going to be a great fight there. Two guys that can certainly bang. And the main event... Nordine Ubali, 17-0, the Frenchman with 12 KOs. He defends his WBC bantamweight world title against friend of the show. He was on a couple weeks back, Nonito Donaire, 40-6 these days. That's going to be a fantastic fight. I'm really looking forward to that. I hope Donaire wins it and... Um, you know, captures another world title. He assures me that's going to be the case. He assures me that he doesn't want it to go to the decision, which, as always, I think, been his motto. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him fight again, Nonito Donaire. Like I say, been out the ring since um, that that tremendous fight against Naoya Inoue back in November of 2019. Um, elsewhere, we will now go to um, the Michelob... Ultra Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. I can't say I'm familiar with this venue, but on the undercard, friend of the show, Chantel Cameron, 13-0. and 0. She puts her WBC um, super lightweight world title on the line against former, um, what was she, world champion, I think, at featherweight, if I'm not mistaken. Could have been a bit lower than that. Um, yeah, anyway, good fighter, though. Uh, Melissa Hernandez, I remember her beating uh, Selena Barrios, which was her last fight two years ago now. Um, she looked unbelievable, and she was coming off quite a long layoff, I think, at the time. About three years out of the ring, she come back and, and beat Selena Barrios, who's the sister of Mario Barrios, who's fighting Javante Davis in a few weeks. Um, 
Yeah, so she looked really good, you know, but she'd been out for three years. She come back, looked really good, beat Selena Barrios, took her O, and she hasn't boxed since. It's been another two years, so she's only had one fight in five years. So that could be a real problem. Um, Chantel Cameron, like I say, always brings the action, a big puncher, very aggressive, fights like a Mexican. Um, elsewhere on the card, Martin J. Ward, another friend of the show, his record these days, 24-1 and one with two draws. He takes on a Zinga Fuzil, who's 14-1. and one. That one loss came in his last fight to Shavkatzon Rakimov back in September of 2019. All the best to Martin J. Ward. I don't know too much against uh, about his opponent, um, Azinga. And the main event, Devin Haney, 25 and 0, defends his WBC lightweight world title over 12 rounds against former, I want to say superstar, really, Jorge Linares, now 47 and 5. Um, this is interesting, Eddie, because obviously everyone knows how good Devin Haney's supposed to be. Devin Haney, though. Um, the one thing that I think he's lacking has been the opposition. And even still with this fight, some people don't like it because they feel like Linares is way past it these days. But here's the thing. Um, Devin Haney doesn't really get people out of there. And Linares, in all five of his losses, he's been knocked out. So if Devin <laughs> Haney gets him out, I think it, it's quite a good look despite him being certainly way past his best at this point, Linares. I think so, too. I mean, I think even though most people think... It's a showcase fight against a former world champion, basically. At the end of the day, yes. It's 100% a showcase for him. He's extremely talented. He's got a great future ahead of him. Being Not being a knockout artist doesn't disqualify you from being a, good, a great fighter or even a superstar in the future. It all depends on your personality. It all depends on how you carry yourself as well as your style in the ring. You can still be an action fighter, just that you don't knock people out. <laughs> That's just... And that's the nature of it. Paul Williams, Paul Williams, if you think about Paul Williams, he didn't really, I mean, I guess he was knocking guys out early on, but he didn't get a lot of knockouts late on. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't really that kind of a, a puncher. I mean, he had decent pop, but it wasn't like, he was more of a volume guy. You know what I mean? Get you out of there late if he get you out of there at all. So, with Devin Haney being a real skilled tactician, you know what I mean? Knowing, knowing what to do and when to do it and all of that stuff and, and there's still a possibility that he can get him out of there. If he doesn't, it really doesn't say much in in the way of, oh, he's not what we thought he was. It's just the fashion that he wins. You know what I mean? He needs to win impressively. He needs to win going away, not give up much. You know what I mean? He has to show his class, you know, with, with his boxing ability more than power. You know what I mean? If he doesn't get him out of there, so what? But if he just, if he puts his hands on him all night, looks good doing it, wins every round, still Devin Haney. He's still the guy that you got to respect because he'll out, he can just about outbox anybody. You understand what I'm saying? It's not, like I said, it's not about his power. To what, 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 that's what really puts people in fear. It's about his skill. You know what I mean? Even Flo but Floyd Mayweather, I was going to say even like, you know, kind of like Floyd Mayweather, but kind of like Floyd Mayweather at 147 because at 130, Floyd, 130, 135, Floyd was still knocking people out. So, you know, it's a different... Uh, it's a different animal when you talk about Floyd in, in that regard. But he's a really, like I said, he's a really, really good fighter, really talented boxer, knows exactly what to do at the time to do it, really, really good. So, you know, he should just get out there and win. Don't think about how and, and trying to knock the guy out, putting himself in harm's way. Just do, what you're, do your job, win the fight, going away, and make sure you look good doing it.
that's all the advice I can give. Yeah, I agree with that. And moving on to the final card, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce... Well, I am going to try to pronounce this one. It's taking place on Sunday, May 30th, at the Halanapod Promu in in a place I'm not going to try to pronounce, actually, in Poland. Over here, Arta Spilka, 24-4. and Um... He takes on a guy called Lucas Rosanski, who's 13-0 and with 12 KOs. He's coming off 11 knockouts in a row. Um, he is in a bit of a step up, though. He hasn't really boxed anyone at this level. Um, he's got a few wins of note, I guess. Um, Albert Sosnowski stopped him in a round back in 2017. He stopped Michael Sprott in two rounds back in 2018. These guys are way past it. And he was able to knock out in four rounds Izwagby Ogono. That's the the black guy um, who's Polish and lives in Las Vegas who had a fantastic shootout with Dominic Brazil back in 2017. Um, So those are his standout names on on the record. But, you know, no one really of the calibre of Spilker. But Spilker, again, himself hasn't really um, looked good of great, you know. Uh, Looked good of great? Looked great of late, (laughs) I should say. Um... Yeah, you know, he hasn't really boxed anyone that good after getting knocked out by Chisora back in 2019. Um, yeah, hasn't really boxed anyone since then of, of any kind of note. His last good win was against Marius Wack, and that was a split decision over 10 back in 2018. And the win before that was against Dominic Gwynn. They're his last two wins uh, that were of any kind of note. Um, he's 32 now. Arthur Spielker, but the guy he's fighting is 35. We shall see what happens there. Elsewhere on the undercard, Matthias Masternak, 30, not 30, 43 and 5, takes on Adam Bowski, the undefeated, uh, the undefeated cruiserweight, 15 and 0, 9 KOs. Again, this, this is this, this is quite a strange kind of card because it's two guys I feel that. You know, were, were good fighters, were kind of top-level contenders. I'm not sure if Masternek ever won a world title. I'm not sure he did. Uh, but, you know, v- very much a top-10 contender for sure. Solid contender. So was Spilker um, a few years back. Both guys, you know, top, top, legitimate contenders on the fringe world level. And they're taking on two undefeated prospects coming through despite one of them being 35 and the other one being 30 i like these kind of fights they're both over 10 rounds so best of luck to uh, those guys out there in poland and particularly arta spilka who has been on the show a couple times he's uh his english is not fantastic but he is he's a nice guy like arta spilka but anyway that's it for the preview part of the show in part one we brought you the review part we 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 had a guest um, we've just done the news part and we've just done the preview part. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 293 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our sole guest on this week's podcast, the WBO number two ranked super featherweight in the world, Jeremiah Nakafila. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. There has been... 
Just one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show. June the 19th, as part of the Inue vs. Daz Marinas undercard, friend of the show and former super bantamweight world champion Isaac Dogbay will fight Adam Blue Nose Lopez. That should be a good fight there for that undercard. Again, that's June the 19th. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.